which made perfect sense to me is, well, they've just been married. They're clearly, they're going to go into a private room and get naked so they can see each other naked for the first time. Right. Then they're going to put on other clothes and come back down because they were wearing different clothes when they came to the reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just made sense to me that this was part of the, this is what you do. Like I've married you. Now let me see what you got. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Cher. Yay! Ooh, he's yay. excited. You say yay now, but we're going right into rant. What? <laughs> who's, who's pissed off about something now? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. You know, I had two really good, guttural, like social rants that I'm. I'm just going to leave aside for now because I don't want to get worked up about him. I'm going to I'm going to rant about something that really makes me angry, and that's the golf channel. That's right, fucking um, golf channel. Now, there are four <laughs> major tournaments in golf every year, and and I'm not talking about those. Uh, those are each negotiated by different networks and whatnot. But generally, the week to week golf tournaments are on both the golf channel and NBC. The mm-hmm. Golf Channel will play the Thursday and Friday rounds, and then on Saturday and Sunday, they infuriate me together because the Golf Channel will air from like 11 to 1.30, and then NBC will take over at, at 2, 2 p.m., yeah. <laughs> and there is a half an hour gap for no discernible reason whatsoever and the mm-hmm. biggest frustration is that NBC owns the Golf Channel. Yeah. So there's no reason they can't work together to make sure that idiot golf fans like me who will watch Joe Blow tournament, you know, in the beginning of July, let me watch all the golf while you rob me every weekend of an hour, a complete hour of golf. And I got to twiddle my thumbs for half an hour until the golf comes back on. It's fucking infuriating. Well, it's also usually around that time where the leaders are teeing off. Yes. Yes. Um, So that you end up missing the first three holes of the leaders. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand why they do that either. And I, you watch more golf than I do, but uh, yeah, that does annoy me. Do you guys have any idea why that would be like a contractual thing with the, here's the only thing I can think of. It, it, It might be contractual because they were basically the golf channel was owned by Fox and then Comcast bought them in 2001, and then Comcast bought NBC and merged NBC with Golf Channel in, like, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there may be a Comcast or Fox reason why they they have to leave a window. I can't fathom what it is. The Golf Channel should be able to just play an extra 30 minutes until NBC takes over. It's the same um, analyst, too, right? Um, Not always. Most Mostly. Yes, like, yes. It, it's not like they have to do some kind of changeover on right. set that takes <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes. Um, I just, I'm sure there, maybe there's a listener who knows and has the answer. And I would honestly love to hear it. I'm, I don't want to be the guy who believes in conspiracies or anything, but I can't fucking figure it out. And it drives me up the wall. I know that um, the masters 
has this big, I mean, and obviously the masters is the master. So, you know, if you're watching, you know, the, uh, greater Exxon open or whatever the fuck you're watching, <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you'd like, well, how do they have any pull to tell you how much that you can show on there or whatever. But the masters I know is all very controlling about what, what, you can show and everything like, you know, we're not going to let you see the first, uh, whatever, for whatever reason, because they're the masters and they're assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, and uh, yet they have expanded. Now mm-hmm. they have one of the best online offerings like CBS plays the masters on television. And yeah, they only get certain blocks all four days. Um, but all four days, uh, are televised on the masters website it used to be, you could only watch specific holes or follow pre-selected featured groups. And that's still the case. But this year they had added a new wrinkle, which was awesome, where you could select your favorite players or the players you wanted to watch. And it created this red zone type effect where it was constantly, here's Jordan Spieth's last shot. Oh, here's Justin Thomas's last shot. Here's Tiger Woods' last shot. And it was awesome awesome when the when they switched over to the television coverage i was like wait i want to go back to the, the <laughs> thing. yeah um but yeah i just don't understand in this day and age why you got what the, what are you using that 30 minutes for um i'll watch i can't be the only one um maybe it's some like rich person like uh sex cult thing that they I'm all sure. have to get I'm together sure they sure suspend play they get in a giant circle drop trial and start mm-hmm. whacking Mm-hmm. And into a hole. You know, <laughs> the first wedding that I ever went yeah. to, I was seven. And the the wait after the wedding in the reception hall was interminable. Yeah. And I now know they were taking all the wedding pictures. But yeah. I didn't know that as a seven-year-old. And so the reason I concocted, which made perfect sense to me, is, well, they've just been married. They're Clearly, they're going to go into a private room and get naked so they can see each other naked for the first time. <laughs> Right. Then they're going to put on other clothes and come back down because they were wearing different clothes when they came to the reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just made sense to me that this was part of the, this is what you do. Like I've married you. Now let me see what you got and yep. we'll go have some cake. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think that should be a tradition. I, mean, should be. <laughs> I agree. Naked. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Hey, all right. Everybody clear out. <laughs> Just going down. The ceremony, the ceremonial look at your partner naked uh, part of the uh, You're just looking. You're not doing anything. You're just right. staring. Like, right. ah, looking, okay. Yeah, okay. I see what all you right. did there. Okay. Right. I like what you did with the now uh, I know manscaping. What Later tonight, we're going to get into this. Yeah. Mm. This is just the preview. That's correct. <laughs> Wow, um, I like how that rant ended up serpentining around. There you go. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, I uh, I have been watching a ton of Jackie Chan movies. Um, Ooh, a couple of days. Um, I, uh, we were doing it for parade. We're doing a list of Jackie Chan movies and everything, and I'm looking at what uh, general consensus are the best ones and everything. I, uh, you know, I don't have these on Blu-ray. It's amazing that I don't have them on Blu-ray, right? Because I have so many. But uh, so I'm going to these streaming services to 
uh, find them. So stuff like uh, Project A and Wheels on Meals and uh, um, what was the other one that I did? Uh, uh, there was one I just could not watch. It was just it, because it was just there's some it, bad ones, especially in the seventies. There's some bad ones. Yeah, um, they, they you only get the choice of the English dubs. Now yeah. I know for most common like casual movie fans having the English dub is great because you don't have to read the subtitles and all that. Uh, me as someone who likes to hear the original language and, uh, have, uh, have become very used to subtitles and don't, and doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, I would much rather hear the language that they're saying that they're talking because, uh, you know, uh, these English dubs are just, are they're, they're the worst. Uh, these are the people who, who just got off the bus in Hollywood and they said, Hey, do you want a job? How about dubbing <laughs> this Jackie Chan movie? And they're like, yeah, man, anything for Hollywood. Um, so like, uh, they get on there and like the, the one, what is it? It's the, it's the project a one. No, it's not project a it's, um, it's wheels on meals. Jackie Chan sounds like the white voice that Lakeith Stanfield is doing for the oh. David Cross is doing for Lakeith Stanfield for Jackie Chan, because he comes in and he talks like this and he's like, oh, no. Hey guys, how's it going? You know, and all that. And, uh, and, uh, and it, and it, and you hear this all the way through the movie. Um, like, like it, it just, it, it gets to the point of being irritating and distracting watching it because it's it, the, the sound on these movies are just way off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, it, does it say something that it was a tremendous relief to watch Shanghai noon after all of these? <laughs> it does. It does. Because, uh, Jackie Chan started doing his own dubs like around the mid eighties or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. because he was passable, you know, with, with English. But mm-hmm. before that, yeah, man, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Oh my on, God, man. man. Yeah. It's just, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. So my rant is about the fact that you don't have a choice when you go yeah. to streaming services. You would think by now that a streaming service would be like, oh, you have all these different language choices. You have these different subtitle choices. If you want to hear it in the original language, then you could do that. And then you could also select your subtitles and then move on. But no, they pretty much say you are English dubbed or, or, or else on these mm-hmm. things. Maybe there's a couple of times where there's like two versions or something that I haven't seen. I haven't run across that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and I would much rather see that. I would rather, rather see the original version that was not cut. Like I'm what. You know, the, the movie super cop, which is police story three, basically, yeah. uh, dimension films took that movie and cut like 10 minutes of it so that it would go, they would have an, an hour and a half, you know, an, an hour and a half movie, uh, for American audiences. And of course they English dubbed it and everything. So that's a completely different animal there because police story three never came out. Uh, I don't think in America, like a, as, a, as a full film, uh, and, and, and it's dimensions, uh, you know, uh, thing now. So like a lot of those movies that came out in the mid nineties, you're, I think you're almost stuck with those unless you order some special Blu-ray, some like, you know, uh, you have to get some sort of overseas thing that just happens to have an English subtitle on it or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's just a matter of choice there. I, I understand a lot of people like the English dub. They don't need to read and all that, but man, 
uh, not me. I want to see the original stuff. So that, I mean, it's not a super angry rant, but it's uh, after watching several of these Jackie Chan movies. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's annoying as fuck, man. I actually watched new fist of fury on Amazon, which Mm. came out. It was the, supposedly Jackie Chan being the heir apparent to Bruce Lee, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and this was 76 Mm -hmm. and it was, the funny thing is, is that Jackie Chan, as is normal with a lot of his movies is kind of a spoiled jerk at the beginning Uh of the movie. And, (laughs) and so like, it's this really obnoxious American voice Mm. acting like a spoiled (laughs) jerk. And I'm like, Oh, that makes it doubly annoying. I mean, why do they do that? Why did they do that? Like, is it, is it because they felt like that voice was relatable to people and, and everything? I don't know. The, the, um, I, the one that I could not watch was, uh, the one called snake in the Eagle shadow. Um, mm. it was like 1978. It's considered Jackie Chan's first big hit and everything. Mm. And the opening credit sequence is Jackie Chan in this like dojo all by himself or whatever. And like the whole narration at the beginning of it is like the history of karate is like this, you know, <laughs> uh, you, it has, it takes on many forms. You can take on the snake, the monkey. It's just like Wayne's world two. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. When they're about to, when Mike Myers is about to fight, uh, Tia Carrera's dad yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and everything. It's just like that. But like, it's like that for like three minutes. They're just like, like talking about the history of Kung Fu. And then it's all, it's all 1970, and it's yeah. all, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like a bad quality, bad edit and everything. And I was like, got four minutes into that movie. I was like, okay. This might be the, one of the greatest Jackie Chan movies of all time. I can't do it. Can't. The history of karate. Yeah. <laughs> you can be a snake. Hiss. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost surprised that the narrator didn't do that. A snake. <laughs> hiss. You know. <laughs> a lion. Roar. <laughs> you know, doing the thing like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Jane Silent Bob. Lion face. Lemon face. Yeah, lion face. Arr. Lemon <laughs> face. Arr. Uh, well, I've got a, a first world problem style rant, uh, uh-huh. came up, uh, with the, the last episode of the second season of the Mandalorian, uh, which aired as we record last Friday, uh, great episode called the rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, what Disney plus does, as you guys probably know, uh, is that it drops its new content at midnight, uh, the day that it's supposed to come out. They did it with mm-hmm. Hamilton. Uh, they do it with all the Mandalorians and all that stuff. Yep. And this is partially, this rant is partially brought on, uh, by our friend, Jeremy Simpson, who tweeted about this and said, because he's on the West coast in Mm -hmm. Canada and, uh, like he can't get on Twitter and look at anything, uh, until he can watch that later on, uh, Mm -hmm. and so without being spoiled and He's right. Now, of course, we're in central time, so we're a little bit before there. And I'm just wondering, like, I do a pretty good job avoiding spoilers. I know Jeremy gets bombarded uh, constantly on Twitter, Reddit, all that stuff. Um, Chris, you're pretty good at avoiding spoilers, too. But, like, yeah. if I go to Twitter and I even mute words, you know, or, or whatever it is, or just not look at things, on the trending side, you'll see, like, a spoiler from that that show yep. trending and you're like ah oh, i can't unsee that now i know what to ex- mm-hmm. 
what to expect mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So what what I'm suggesting is, is it possible to put it, drop that episode at say 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and let everybody kind of at least experience for the first time at the same time? Is that humanly possible? Am I being unreasonable about this? Of course, it's uh, possible. Yeah, well, why aren't they doing it, though? Now, that I can't answer. Well, I was just going to say, why'd they ever start doing this fucking midnight thing in the first place? I think even Netflix, when the House of Cards Season 2 at least came out, it was midnight that it dropped, because I remember staying up for that shit. And I'm too old for that now, and I don't have time. And it's not even, like, my frustration is I muted a lot of words, but you can't mute the words that spoil that finale. Yeah, because you don't know what's coming. Unless you mute every character's name in the history of all Star Wars extended (laughs) canon, you can't avoid that. And um, I do think dropping it at midnight is part of it because all the hardcore fans, a.k.a. people younger than us, are going to stay up and watch it and go right on Twitter. And by morning, it'll be trending when us old people get up. And, you know, anybody who says stay off the Internet can kiss my ass because yeah, exactly. especially during a pandemic, we goddamn need the Internet. We need social media for connection. And there's got to be a better way for the streamers to pick a better time. But there's got to be a better way for the early watchers to not be fuckers for at least one day. I, I one agree. Day. And I think this is going to get I, 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 again, this is not a huge problem, but I think it's going to get, quote, worse because of all the WB stuff coming out on HBO Max, if they drop that shit at, at midnight, uh, by the time you wake up and be like, I want to watch Wonder Woman, everything will be spoiled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll just be like, oh shit, all right. And so with all these, you know, Dune, Matrix 4, stuff like that, like uh, if, if this keeps coming up, uh, then you're never going to really watch a movie fresh unless you watch it first thing in the morning or right at midnight. Right. Even people like Dicer who avoid trailers um, like religiously are eventually going to struggle with this kind of thing um, <clears throat> because you just you, you can't avoid it. And it's only going to get worse. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a bummer. But, hey, I know how it ends. I know I know everything I need to know about all two seasons of The Mandalorian. <laughs> and I didn't watch any of it. So it saved me some time, at least. I have a, I, uh, I have a very strong feeling I would have felt very much about that final thing as I did about the end of Rogue One. So I see. I see. That's my two cents. I, uh, I am good about uh, uh, not getting spoilers, but uh, I did get spoiled on that one. Uh, uh, I don't usually look at trending too much. Like that's the first thing that pops up. Unfortunately, if you're, especially if you're um, a big mobile user, like I am. Uh, but uh, uh, in, in general, like I, I just, I, I can let it, if I do see it, I can, I'm like, kind of let it, uh, uh, go out of my mind and just yeah, not yeah. whatever. But this one was so big that <laughs> it was impossible to, to not know when watching the, the episode, what was about to happen. Um, I think I would have guessed, I would have guessed it right because it is kind of obvious yeah. uh, what's happening. I mean, it's the, it was really the only thing that could have happened. Um, I was sitting there going, I was actually sitting there going, I, I actually did, a little bit forget about that that spoiler and i was like oh, really? sitting there going, i was sitting there going this is taking way too fucking long there's going to be somebody that shows up here and mm. and and i was like oh yeah because 
uh, yeah, because this happened in an, another episode and, and, and then this person, and then, and then when you do that, when you put that in your head, you're like, well, there's only one person that could be that's coming. If yeah. you know, your star Wars. Yeah. Well, so, it's also the, the whole season has been like this. Uh, and this is not a spoiler because they've gotten their own spinoffs now, but like Boba Fett was trending. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess that's going to happen. Ahsoka Tano was trending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, even even in the episode before she was in it, because Bo-Katan said something about it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, ah, I mean, it, I still enjoyed this this season very much. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think something needs to be course corrected for this because there's it's only going to get more and more frequent uh, with streaming and with big properties coming out uh, with with streaming here. So yeah, and by launching at midnight, you're really only making it like convenient for people who live in the middle of the Pacific ocean and uh, fuck those people. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, the majority of Disney plus's audience is American, right? I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. gotta or be can, can, Canada, maybe. Well, sure. Okay. Yeah, but like, American. you know, all, all in the same time zones, like Probably. four well, time sure. zones. All right, so yeah. if you, if you drop it at 7 PM Eastern time, yeah. what is the difference than dropping it at midnight? It's not like, you're going you're only going to increase the interest because people are typically going to be home they're going to be done with their day and everything you're only going to peak interest and drive traffic to your thing instead of so midnight maybe they think they're doing maybe they have some math and they think they're doing what movies have been doing by having thursday night showings before the film officially opens on friday maybe they think there's a bounce there that if they dropped at 7 p.m. they wouldn't get a midnight and a morning bounce. I don't know. I mean, there's certainly got to be a reason they're doing it. And it's not just Disney plus. So mm. even albums drop at midnight, Taylor Swift says, Hey, my new album drops at midnight. I'm like, do you not sleep? (laughs) People in your life, not sleep. I'll I'll listen tomorrow after everyone's made up their mind, but even albums drop at midnight. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if HBO Max is actually going to be doing that for the big Warner Brothers properties. I assume mm. they will. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, yeah, that's my know. rant. That's my rant. I'm pissed <laughs> off about it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> do we have any uh, recommends and warns? Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won hey. the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Yeah. Baby. Oh, baby. Oh, oh you boy. Excited, baby. Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, man. I want to talk about a black bottom. Black bottom. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I watched uh, this. I heard only good things about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is on Netflix right now. Um, about the cast, about the the singing, about you know the 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 whole thing. Now I didn't know anything about it, so I went in pretty clean, pretty fresh. Uh, fired it up, and I was pretty much blown away from the very, very beginning. Mm. This is Chadwick Boseman's uh, last performance uh, before his untimely death. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen him be better at mm. in anything. Uh, mm. He's spectacular in this movie. Now I mentioned Coleman Domingo recently when I was talking about euphoria and that mm-hmm. special episode with, uh, with Rue and Zenyatta uh, Zendaya. Um, and he's spectacular in that. He's great in this too. Uh, who will blow you away though? I think even more. And it's, it's almost weird to say that she steals the movie, uh, because it's named after her, 
But Viola Davis as Ma Rainey is mm. a force of nature. And you you get to see one side of this, the, the outward facing side where she's belligerent and where she's, you know, uh, demanding and stuff like that. And then there's a couple of times where she lets her guard down and you see why she's doing this. Ugh. I cannot recommend this movie enough. It is spectacular. Mm. It is very much a play. All right. You could see this on stage very much. It's very insular. I think it was a play, wasn't it? Yeah. August Wilson uh, uh, wrote it. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the cinematic portion of this is kind of irrelevant because it only happens within, you know, two settings, basically. Uh, but it's it's absolutely chilling, wonderful uh, it's, it's about a blues singer and her band, uh, in the twenties recording a, 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 an album in Chicago on one of the hottest days of the year. And man, you will fall in love. Chris, have no, you seen I, this yet? I have not seen it yet. No. Uh, it's, it's spectacular. I think both of you would really, really dig this. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, it's I'm on my list. We'll see it. I've been trying to watch all of his work. Um, so that was that was a that was a strong. This is strong. Uh, the the top of it, I think. Uh, you know, with with him, I've seen uh, the forty two. I've seen the Thurgood Marshall. It was Thurgood Marshall that he was in, right? Marshall's the name of the movie. Marshall, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, I've seen obviously Black Panther in the Avengers movies, uh, and this, and this is by far his his best work. It's unbelievable mm. that he. And I I guess he was sick. Uh, while filming this, sure, and still just absolutely killed it. So yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. I will definitely right. watch. That. Well, I'm gonna keep it positive for now. Uh, <laughs> if, we, if we do another round, it might not be the case. Uh, but I finally got around to watching uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon. <clears throat> oh, uh, <clears throat> which this is not great timing for Shia. Um, lately, he has been sued by FKA Twigs for mm-hmm. battery and uh, relationship assault uh and i do not know the specifics of that but i am here merely to talk about this movie it came out a year and a half two years ago have you guys seen this i have not chris I've got it on oh oh i thought you had i'm sorry no i haven't on Blu-ray. i haven't i have not watched it this movie is uh and i'll try and articulate why it's five percent away from being almost perfect in my mm. mind mm. um and I think it just tries a little too hard. Uh, but the basic premise here is, is two people come together. Uh, one is uh, a man with Down syndrome who's 22 years old and wants to be a wrestler, runs away from the retirement center where he's being, where he's living, where he's being taken care of. His caregiver is um, Dakota Johnson. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and she's a little miscast here. Uh, she's great. Um, but, Everyone in this movie is scuzzed up and dirty and grimy, and she's not. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that guy runs away and um, ends up hiding in a boat near the docks under a tarp. The other guy in the story is Shia LaBeouf, who has a hinted at troubled past that is uh, explained more in flashbacks, and he has fights, shit fuck, um, with... John Hawks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he has apparently either pulled John Hawks' traps and sold the crab 
as his own. It's not really clear. Uh, but Hawks is mad at him, and they have a fight. He beats the shit out of him and goes away. And so Shia gets up and walks over to this giant pile of all of John Hawks's crab fishing equipment and sets it on fire. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and they chase him. He gets in the boat that happens to have um, the uh, eventual peanut butter falcon. Zach is his name, the man with Down syndrome. Uh, and evades the the bad the bad guys, and he's the bad guy because he set the fire. But evades them, and then discovers he's got a stowaway. Basically, it's a very Huck Finn kind of movie. Um, it unfortunately mentions Mark Twain a couple of different times, like yeah. trying to beat you over the head with the fact that it's a, a Mark Twain kind of a story, because. Now that the cops are after Shia for burning the fire, because the fire eventually engulfed the whole docks, and the non-cop authorities are after Zach because he's escaped from this facility and he needs care, they build a raft and they go down the waterway, down the river, and it's very, very Huck Finn as they're trying to escape the cops and John Hawks is after him, and then Dakota Johnson catches up to him. Uh, the, the actor, Zach, it looks like Zach Gotzigan, uh, who plays the the man with Down syndrome is, is has Down syndrome um, in real life. He does an amazing job. Shia is outstanding in this movie. Yeah. He's very gruff. He wants nothing to do with this guy. But by the time Dakota Johnson shows up and tries to help Zach put on his shirt, Shia's defensive and why why are you doing that? He can do that. Stop making him feel like he's you know, lesser than you. And uh, he can put on his own shirt. And they end up becoming a bit of a weird family uh, on the road as the three of them go down the river uh, trying to find this wrestling school uh and there's a great moment here with thomas hayden church playing this washed up former wrestler Hmm. um and another thing i'll mention is there are flashbacks that show that shia had a brother and there's lots of it's it's always dialogue free uh but it's john barenthal uh Mm -hmm. and it's them sitting on the dock in the rain laughing uh and barenthal's always wearing this red hat uh, is, it, is it Joe Bernthal or is it, or is it another person? Oh, it is Bernthal. Know? I always said Barenthal. It's John, it's John, it's John Bernthal. Bernthal. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, and there was a tragic car accident when Shia was driving drunk and his older brother played by John Bernthal died. And now <laughs> he Shia didn't cut him in drunk. half with a, uh, <laughs> yeah, I never realized how hard it was to accidentally, um, uh, Bruce Stern is in this movie. Um, Jesus. <clears throat> I just think uh, it's very, very enjoyable, and it just tries a little too hard to be the fairy tale it could have been if it had just let itself be. Mm. Uh, and the other knock for me at the end is they Shia faces no repercussions for burning down an entire dock. I mean, he gets hit <laughs> over the head and ends up in the hospital, but the movie ends with them just going down the river to be a family of three people um, living in the wild. And he never goes to jail. He's never arrested. Um, you could say, I mean, John Hawks hits him over the head, which puts him in the hospital. But, I mean, the dude set fire to all the guy's equipment after stealing his crab. Like, Shia is a bad person in this movie. <laughs> and and befriending the Down Syndrome guy cannot wash away all of that ill. Uh, but it comes so close to landing what it's going for. Uh, I really recommend it still. Uh, I really enjoy I actually watched it a second time when it came on again a couple of days afterwards uh, and enjoyed it even more. So there yeah. you go. I didn't realize yeah. that cast was so vast. I didn't either. I didn't, I wasn't expecting anyone with Shia. Um, and it, uh, it's got a great cast. 
<clears throat> one that I, uh, yeah, another one that I need to watch. There is a character named Rat Boy, played by someone Barrett may recognize. This has to be a musician because he has a single word name, Yellow Wolf. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a bunch of tattoos. Is that like yeah, a rapper? Yeah, yeah he is. Well, no, he's a, he's he's like a, what was the uh, Lil Peep? That that line between SoundCloud rap and like uh, alternative music, okay, um, is 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 where that is. Well, he's um, in the movie as a guy named Rat Boy. He's John Hawks's henchman. I see. Right. I love I love watching me some Dakota Johnson in really anything except she's great. She's, I I really feel a little too mean by saying she was miscast. Anyway, there you go. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to wreck a warn. Um, a movie that uh, I think uh, quite a few people uh, have seen, uh, the the dead don't die. Uh, oh yeah, have you seen this, Barrett? I have. Is this the is this the Jarmish one? Yeah. Jim Jarmish. Oh, I watched uh, fifteen minutes and bailed. That's typical for me and Jarmish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the first um, fifteen minutes are the best part. <laughs> um, I was sufficiently hooked into it to watch the whole thing, but uh, it's 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 not great. Um, uh, I think what Jarmish is doing here—it's a zombie movie. Um, He's—I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to not only make a zombie movie parody but maybe uh, almost a Hollywood parody in the same way. Like it's, it's weird. There's a different level to it. And I'm not saying different level as in it makes it so good to know this different level, but uh, there's like, there's a scene in this where two people get killed at a diner Mm -hmm. and everybody who goes into that diner and sees the two dead people, come out and say what was that a wild animal several <laughs> wild animals oh my god and and so adam driver does it uh i think first maybe bill murray does it yeah, then bill adam murray does driver, it first yeah then adam driver does it and then chloe Stephanie comes in <laughs> and she does it and and uh and it's one of those things because that is an, an exhaustive eye-rolling trope in every zombie any yeah. kind of creature feature movie is someone saying must be some sort of wild animal even though we all know that no wild animal is going to come into some fucking diner and start <laughs> ripping people up um, and, uh, and so that's probably one of the funniest parts of that movie is that is that everybody coming out and saying that um there is a self awareness to it to it that I don't think that I don't think he goes far enough on if he's going to if he's going to take this this route there's a point where the Sturgill Simpson song is playing and it is the dead don't die mm-hmm. and there's a point where Bill Murray says something about it they're they're in the car and Adam Driver was like it's like, yeah, it's Sturgill Simpson. And he's like, it's the theme song. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he's like, and Bill Murray's like the theme song. Uh, I don't even know if he even says that he just, Adam driver just says it's the theme song. And that's just sort of how it ends. And you're just yeah. like, Oh, it's okay. It's this yeah. type of, yeah. but that happens early on. And then towards the end, there's a part where Adam driver goes, Oh, well, this is good. This happens and we're going to, we're going to make our final stand. We're going to die in this. And Bill Murray's like, how did you know that? Cause I got the script. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Bill Murray's like, I didn't get a script. Uh, 
he's like he's like he's like do you know how much i've done for this guy um and and uh and it's that type of thing there's that but that's like two isolated incidents it's like it's jarmish is trying to be self-aware but at the same time it's not enough for it to be consistent throughout the movie like it's it's off-putting almost when it comes when it when it when this type of stuff happens um but there's a lot of just really amusing and quirky shit in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Selena Gomez shows up with a couple of like uh, guys from some uh, from the big city, quote unquote. Uh, and and uh, there's a point where they all start turning, and Adam Driver has to kill them all. And of course, the one like he's cutting off their heads you have to kill the head is another weird like (laughs) they keep saying you have to kill the head uh he and this is spoilery but it's funny it's just funny that like he goes into their hotel their motel and kills all these people including the selena gomez zombie and you're just like you know that they're going there he's going to come out holding selena gomez's head like there's the other two, he's going to just leave in there, but Selena <laughs> Gomez, he's going to come out holding her. And of course he does. He comes out yeah. holding her head. Um, it, it, it's just got a lot. And the, the dialogue is real stilted, but on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I do think Jarmusch is trying for something here where it's like a different kind of parody, it, but it doesn't all the way work. It doesn't all the way work. Um, and that's why it's a wreck of Warren. It's, but it's got so many little, touches in it that's worth watching the movie for Uh, what is the uh, thing that he keeps saying it's adam driver or bill murray uh, the night that that this all happens he's like boy i've got a bad feeling about this night or something like that or or you know what i'm talking about where they're looking out uh, over the moon and they're like hmm looks like this night's gonna be a long night or something yeah i i I don't even know but i'm sure it's another one of these dialogue moments that he sort of makes fun of um but uh but yeah it's it's that it's that kind of movie there's there's little touches that i like you know like uh caleb landry jones is running this uh uh gas station mart it's got like everything in it at first you think it's like a comic book store but then it turns out to be like an a one-stop shopping mm. place a really small shop uh but the rizza's in it and he comes by and he comes by and he is he is we're, we're, he's got a a delivery service called woo ps yeah (laughs) (laughs) and there's like little touches like that that are fun but like you know it just feels like they it doesn't go all the way but i think it is worth watching to in in total and uh but yeah don't be expecting greatness i agree i love this movie what did you think of tilda swinton Oh, see, and I should have I should have brought up Tilda Swinton because she's the best part of this movie. Yes, she is, man. Tilda Swinton is the best part of this movie. She she goes in asking like uh like uh she she goes in she has all this real expositional knowledge and she asks uh uh is it Chloe Seventy? She asks like, are you dating the the handsome cop, which is Adam Driver or whatever? Mm. She goes, no, no, we're not. And there's like. And, uh, and, um, and then she gets all this information and, and Chloe 70 is like, 
why did you, why did you need that? And he's like, Oh, I'm just building up a whole bunch of information about the town that I need to know later or something. Like that. <laughs> and so she knows all these different things. So like when she shows up later, she, she, she goes like, well, I know you can do this and that because this person is this and that. And like, it's like, and, and you're like, well, how would she know that? Well, because she asks everybody all these questions. That's right. That's right. No, I, I, I found this movie's tremendously entertaining. I know I'm a Jarmish apologist, Mm-hmm. But uh man, it it just hit me in the tickle spots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I understand it completely because there are there are very amusing moments. There's enough. Like I said, there's enough in here. There's enough of a stack of amusing moments to say, go watch this movie. Mm-hmm. But there's enough dumb stuff in here too, where you're just like <laughs> yeah. like what the other thing that he does with that movie is he he makes you know how a lot of times zombie movies are a, a, a big symbol for something else going on you know the the classic uh interpretation of dawn of the dead is is zombies as consumerism because they set the whole thing at a mall and it's you know talking about how humans are are basically slaves to consumerism and all this other stuff. In this one, they puts it right in the text as a joke, basically, <laughs> where people are always going coffee, iPhone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I want to watch this again. Fucking uh, Tom Waits. That was at the beginning. Tom Waits is great. Yeah, Tom and the Hermit Bob. He starts shooting at Bill Murray. Bill Murray's like, Hermit Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Now stop that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good. I love yeah, it. Yeah. You know, and just seeing Barrett's giddiness over it makes me realize that maybe I'll watch it again. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you what, Aaron Dicer fucking hates this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't, it, I, think, no, I think if you, I think if you are, if you are familiar with zombie movie tropes and you've seen a lot of zombie movies, this movie does a lot of things uh, that skewer it in a way that's different from say a Shaun of the dead or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is, it is worthwhile. So. And you're right. It is very subtle and not subtle, but it, it, it's easy to miss maybe uh, the, the broader point. What I don't like is only one part of this movie that I really hate is the Steve Buscemi character. That's got the MAGA hat on. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like, all right, dude, <laughs> like we get it. And that scene goes on for, far too long anyway yeah but yeah exactly. no, this is a fun one this is a fun one all right everybody it's time to talk about movie nice um there was a movie that came on uh, i don't know it was about a week or so ago it came onto the service it's called eureka um, oh uh it's from japan it's three and a half hours long oh, um, hmm. uh and it is about uh these people who get on a bus and uh and uh, there is a there is a shooter on this bus uh the uh we see the beginning of where everybody's like uh first getting on the bus and it cuts immediately to the aftermath of it where the guy is like has shot a bunch of people and there's only like three people alive still on this bus the cops have been called in uh and uh and so it's this really tense sort of like standoff type of thing. Uh, uh, once the three people who are alive, the bus driver and a young brother and sister, uh, are, are saved from this bus. Uh, it, 
it is about the the life that you lead after something like that uh, hmm. happening. Uh, the bus driver is is tr- is trying to make uh, make his life. Uh, you know, uh, he's trying to he's trying to he's married. He's trying to get a he's trying to get the marriage to work and everything. But he's obviously uh, unable to do that. He leaves. He leaves for a really long time. Um, and the two kids are basically catatonic and the parents are no, I don't know how this works in Japan, but uh, when we see them again, their parents have both died and they're in that house by themselves. Mm. Um, And, uh, and they have, and they have, uh, and that's, and they, and when, and when we see them, they're not, they don't ever really talk ever. In fact, they Mm. don't talk for the longest time. Um, And uh, at some point, they throw in this, this, it sounds like they're tagging this on, but they throw in a serial killer subplot into this. Oh my. And, and because there's a, uh, because the description is like a single, uh, man, uh, who is doing this and everything, this bus driver guy who, who is estranged from his wife and everything has become a suspect in this, or at least the, the, the cops think he might be involved. And he can't live with his brother anymore because of it. His brother's like, this is just, just too much going on. We can't let you stay here. He goes to the kid's house and asks them, can I stay here? And so they become this like sort of this family in this house. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, and then their cousin shows up and, and, and he's wanting to live there for a while. And then they all have this big family unit. Um, and it's in it. And it, I think it takes a while this movie takes a while and I think it's, I think it's the right thing to do. Three and a half hours is the type of movie is, you know, you're going to be like, Oh no, I don't know if I can sit through three and a half hours or whatever. But like, I think a lot of times we see movies like this where people go through traumatic experience and they cut immediately to the therapy for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and it becomes some other kind of like, kind of like how room does where, yeah, yeah where you know they they've been taken out of this thing and then it's like okay how do they live now and mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't really get to the psychological aspects of of everything i guess room kind of does but it might not yeah. be the best example but uh but it seems like most movies when something like this happens they don't they don't do that and this one is more like how does somebody pick up the pieces after they've been through a traumatic experience like this and this is this one takes its time doing that at some point, the bus driver is like, we all need to get onto a bus and we need to drive cross country and sort of do this as a therapy thing. And meanwhile, the serial killer subplot is still in play in this, uh, in this movie. Ooh. And so there is sort of a kind of like maybe a whodunit in this whole thing, mm. even though that's not the point of the movie. Um, so... I really enjoyed this. It was shot in sort of this sort of sepia tone, black and white, uh, kind of thing. A lot of beautiful images in it. Um, uh, you know, this is not a movie that you go to, to, to be super happy or anything, but I really, really, really enjoyed it. It's really good. I think it's a, I think it's a a great exploration of what happens to people after they've had uh, a bad experience like that. So awesome. Awesome. And you wouldn't have found that, if it weren't a movie, you wouldn't have found that. 
Can you find that? Can I get to find that on other streaming platforms where you where you where you're looking through and you're like, what what the hell is Eureka? Because movie, what movie does is not only give you access to all this like cinema from around the world, uh, but it also gives you a good indication of what it is. You know, here's our take. Here's the synopsis. Uh, here's usually a very sexy thumbnail. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not for Eureka. True. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, they, they really spend a lot of time on the curating process of this. And uh, you, you watch something that you normally wouldn't watch. I watch something that I definitely wouldn't have watched. I don't know who Valerian Borojic is, uh, mm-hmm. but, but he is an acclaimed or was an acclaimed, uh, Polish director. Mm. Uh, and so this guy, this French person, uh, Bertrand Mandico, um, Decided to do a biopic about him. Okay, a biopic, but it's a short. Okay. Uh, and it's shot in black and white. Okay. And it is unlike any biopic that you've ever seen. Now, we three <clears throat> don't really like biopics that much. Guarantee you, you will never see anything like this again. Uh, again? The, <laughs> so it, it's very weird. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, even though I've never seen any of his work. Um the the director the 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 titular person is born with a box on his head okay and with one hole and uh it continues on but you don't really get if you go in blind like me you don't get a sense of really what's going on because it's narrated by a woman uh the the woman in french is saying is basically telling uh valerian's life story and it's cut into different things in the alphabet and uh, so apparently what he did was uh, he had a very interesting relationship uh, with his mother and his father. Uh, there's an interesting scene uh, with his mother. Uh, I- anyway, uh, it goes into uh, basically like a-, a coming of age thing, but very artistically. And uh, when he gets his first camera, it's an organism. It's not like just a, you know, a regular uh, video camera. It's an organism by which he, he, uh, he does his, his work. Hmm. I'm trying to explain this movie. It is very difficult to explain, Uh, but it is visually arresting. And I'll tell you what it is. Orally investing and and arresting Mm. Uh, the sound. uh, A few years ago, um, our buddies at modern horror did a short film, uh, that was very, very based on sound. You guys remember that? I forget yeah, yeah. what it was Vaguely, called. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I really appreciated that because horror should use more sounds other than jump scares and stuff like that. This one, you hear every crunch of a gravel as somebody walks. You hear the the caress of somebody, you know, when they're lifting up a skirt or something like that. Mm. Uh, that's a weird <laughs> thing. But yeah. it does happen. Uh, anyway, uh, it's it's just very, very well done from a sound, audio perspective and from a visual perspective. Hmm. Mubi gave this to me as a gift mm. uh, for being a member of their service. Mm. I love it. Uh, they 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 give you thirty uh, movies that that replace every day, and then they got this big old library. Uh, on the front page that you can scroll through, they're doing a feature on uh, Alexander Jodorowsky, uh, right uh, now, yes. uh, which I'm going to dive into mm-hmm. uh, soon. Uh, just go. OK, so so how do you get this? You you person listening to us right now, I'll tell you how 
you go to Mubi.com, M-U-B-I.com slash CinemaSins. That's C-I-N-E-M-A-S-I-N-S. So Mubi.com slash CinemaSins, and you get 30 days, a full month, a full month, free. 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 Full month. Go to Mubi.com slash CinemaSins. Free month. Free month. And I don't need to say anything more. Free month. It's awesome. <laughs> you want to do another round? Let's do another round. I got another one. All right. I'm going to wreck a warn something that I'm really warning, but because of one part that I happen to find extremely cool, uh, I put the wrecka in front. Um, you ever watch a movie that does something at the end, maybe not a twist, but does something at the end so fucking cool, you want other people to watch it, but you also know the two hours to get there is not worth it. Serenity? <laughs> the Matthew McConaughey one? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Um, Holy so fuck. I'm going to spoil a movie for you um, because I can't not. It's too fun. This is a very bizarre movie I'd never heard of from 2019 called The Burnt Orange Heresy, which you might be tempted to think is some sort of anti-Trump documentary. <laughs> Um, And it is not. This is an art heist thriller uh, starring Donald Sutherland, Mick Jagger, Elizabeth DeBecky. Oh, um, the the chick from uh, Cloverfield Paradise. Yes. And a guy named Klaus Bang or Bang. He was in Girl in the Spider's Web. It's the only movie that you might recognize him from. He's a German actor. Um. So the premise, he's a writer, and the premise here is that Mick Jagger is this wealthy art collector, and he wants, he's a big, biggest fan in the world of this guy Donald Sutherland is playing, um, who hasn't painted in 50 years because all of his paintings burned in a bad fire. He wants to own a painting by this guy so bad he's brought him to live on his estate and given him the guest house, and he gives him total privacy in there hoping this guy is painting masterworks that he can then buy one of or more. I guess he's growing impatient because he hires the main character, um, Klaus Bang. I'll just call him Bang. I'm a man. Yeah, let's call him Bang. Um, And uh, hires this guy and says, listen, I will let you interview this artist one-on-one. You'll get multiple times to talk to him. This is a once in a lifetime. This guy is presented like an American Picasso, I guess. Uh, in terms of how valuable or esteemed his art would be. Um, and you get that, you get that all that time with him, but I need you to steal this last painting he's working on so that I can own it. That's the basic setup. And Elizabeth DeBecky pops into his life right around this time. They have a very adversarial spark of chemistry. Um, and she goes with him on this trip. Um, and they have sex, and they argue, but it's playful arguing. And Donald Sutherland takes a liking to her, feels very paternal about her. The guy's starting to feel conflicted about, i got to steal this painting. I don't really want to. How am I going to do this? i got to even see the painting. And finally, Donald Sutherland says, I'm going to let you see my workspace. And he opens up the guest house, and he lets these two in. And he's talking about every day I come in here and I put a new canvas on this easel and i paint a new painting uh and here they all are and they're all blank canvases and dude has been painting without paint 
and just visualizes what he's painting. And then on the back, writes the name of what he has pantomime painted. There's a Mm. little suggestion he may be losing his mind, but also I think it's mostly saying he's realized that the beauty of art transcends the physical form. So he's even standing here with a blank palette pretending to paint, and Elizabeth Debicki's behind him, and she plays along. She's like, oh, I think you need a little bit more blue. And he's like, I was thinking the same thing. His masterpiece, his most favorite painting, uh, the one he's most proud of that doesn't have anything on it, is called The Burnt Orange Heresy. Mm-hmm. Hence, the movie getting its title. I could do a right turn here and talk about movies whose titles only make sense after you've seen the film, but do nothing to actually draw you in in the first yeah. place. Yeah, like right, The yeah. Burnt Orange Heresy. <laughs> like, or Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, a fantastic yeah. film with a terrible title that once you see it, you understand why they chose that title, but it's still a bad title. Anyway, so now uh, Mr. Bang, is he's incensed. There's no painting for him to steal. Um, and he's on the hook. They start to walk back to their, where they're staying, and he says, oh, I forgot my wallet, or whatever the fuck. It's, it's a dumb excuse. This movie thinks it's Hitchcock, but it's not. <laughs> She's like, oh, I think that's very suspicious, but I'm going to go ahead and go on without you. And he goes back and sets fire to the entire painting workshop, takes one pallet out, the burnt orange heresy, burns the whole fucker to the ground. We find out later Donald Sutherland dies. I can't remember if he walked into that fire to save it or had a heart attack. That's how inconsequential it is that he's dead. Mm-hmm. And so dude is like to Elizabeth to Becky, we got to go. We got to go back home. It's like a three hour drive. We got to go back home tonight. She's like, tonight? He's like, yeah, I got to write this up. I, we just had this great interview. I got to write this book right now. So she's like, okay. They go back to where they, his apartment. And she's like, are you going to come to bed? He's like, no, I got to write now. I got to write right now. It's got this great content for my book. So she lays down in bed and he goes into the other room without locking it or even closing the door and begins to paint what he will pass off as the burnt orange heresy painting that Donald Sutherland painted before he died. Mm. Paints this mush of colors that doesn't look all that awesome, but the movie acts like it's awesome. Goes to shower without locking or closing that door. And Elizabeth Debicki wakes up and walks into that room and sees it. And reads on the back and realizes what he's done. She even puts her finger up and touches it and walks into the other room and confronts him. What is this with paint, wet paint on her fingertip? I can't believe what you've done. And they have this big confrontation. He fucking kills her right there. What? What? And here's the, here's the ending. They're at the art show, which is also the revealing uh, his book publishing show so he's written this book interviewing the now dead artist and they're unveiling the final painting the burnt orange heresy that the guy that Mick Jagger now owns and they're standing there and he's listening to all this praise about the book and it's he's kind of stunned because of course he's a murderer now um and people are talking about the painting and he's standing there and this girl next to him says what do you think he meant by that final touch do you suppose it means something about who the painting is about or do you think it's him uh, and and Bang is like, what are you talking about? And she's like, the fingerprint. And he like zooms in on the painting, and dude realizes that dead girl's fingerprint is immortalized in this painting he has passed off as one that Donald Sutherland painted. And that one moment, I thought that's fucking cool, and it goes to credit. 
it was not worth watching the entire movie. But when she touches the painting to see the wet paint to prove to herself that it wasn't Donald Sutherland who painted it, you don't think about that. And you don't yeah. think about her leaving a fingerprint behind. And so it was a very cool whammy for me at the very end. But I can't recommend you watch the whole movie unless, given everything I've said, you still want to. <laughs> Is she... Uh... Hmm? Mm-hmm. I'm in. <laughs> She's not shy about that. She does it quite a bit. Uh, quite really? a few movies. Yep. That sounds like a movie that's all first act. Like mm. all of it is first act. Like you could have had Donald Sutherland doing all this stuff. They could have discovered that he didn't really paint the stuff. They could have had the house burning. They could have yep. had, uh, they could have had a dude trying to make the painting himself, killing Elizabeth Debicki and then, and then doing the art show and then him trying to get away with it. Somebody, somebody who's just a little bit too nosy, like, what is that fingerprint? See, what is it? I think you're right. Hitchcock, that, that fingerprint would have been the jumping off point for a, a greater thriller, uh, like you're saying, somebody nosy enough to dive into it. Um, that's a good point. It is kind of an all-first-act kind of a movie. It reminds me of, uh, have you ever seen the movie Proof? Yes, yes. with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, yeah Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow, Anthony Hopkins, and there's that whole thing where they're trying to figure out this math proof uh, all the way through the movie. And then, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow solves it and she's excited. And so does he, he's like, he's excited. He's figured it out. And he, you find out that his proof is all about like the winter months are colder as it gets closer to, you know, it's a, it's a complete, uh, you know, uh, jumble and, and, and not something that, uh, you know, a, a person of sound mind would, would write, mm-hmm. uh, and by the end of it and everything kind of reminds me of that yeah not not painting and like oh i believe paint is in our heads our paintings yeah. are you know bullshit. mick jagger so, hey how was uh, jagger, how was uh captain mick in this one mick jagger's one of the best things about the movie like yeah he when i first saw him i was like oh jesus uh but he's actually really charming uh and he's not a great actor but he eats it up he's basically just playing a you know amplified version of himself nice. who happens to I be don't believe you've seen the movie Free Jack, my friend. <laughs> oh, I have. I love the movie Free Jack, even though it's terrible. I did yeah. <laughs> That's one that I need to rewatch, too. It's been forever since I... Oh, was man, it like a month and a half ago it came on, and it's I tweeted out, I'm flipping channels and Free Jack is on, and I have to watch it, and Twitter <laughs> gave me shit. Like, they were like, no, you don't. It's bad. And I was like, you guys suck. Free Jack wins. <laughs> That's a that's a movie I'm surprised doesn't have this whole like well this movie was actually good type of yeah. uh, you know movement going for it yeah. like everything else does. Yeah. Oh man. Uh I, let me go because uh I've got the warniest warn to ever warn. Ooh. And it's uh it's downhill. Uh Ooh. have you guys ever seen Force Majeure? No. Um no. Force Majeure is a is a I think it was 2014 a Swedish film that started this whole thing. Matter of fact, people thought it was real. Uh, it was it was based on a moment of a dude um, being filmed on a cell phone camera of a controlled avalanche coming down uh, in the Alps, and he scurries away while his family is still on the deck of this restaurant. And I, when I saw it, it looked like it was real, but it was part of this movie, Force Majeure. 
Force Majeure apparently got uh, good reviews and everything. And like everything else in America, we decided to steal it and make it shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, you know, hey, you, you look at this and they, you can, you could probably make it work. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is mm-hmm. playing the wife of Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The friends that they meet in Austria, uh, one is Zach Woods, uh, all like all time hilarious people, right? Uh, yep. Zoe Chow is his uh, fiance or whatever it is. Uh, and so there's a bunch of funny people in this. And I'm like, okay, I bet this is, uh, is going to be good. It's horrible and it's depressing and it's just, it's, it just eats at you. It is maybe the worst movie that I've seen this year. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't know what they're going for. Obviously, it's not even black comedy. There's no comedy there. Julia Louis-Dreyfus kind of cheats on uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell kind of cheats on her. And he realizes he's a sack of shit. And she calls him a sack of shit. And everybody's uncomfortable. And everybody's, like, moody and depressed. And it's My favorite scene... Up was when she forced her kids to come in with the other adults in the room and relive the balcony scene and force the kids to say out loud, dad left us. Yes. Like that was in, like, that was a necessary portion of her argument was to put the kids through that. I hated this movie. I hate I, it so much. I don't think I hated it as much as you. Um, I did think I was just discover, about to discover some kind of gem yeah. You know, with those two actors, and oh, I've never heard anybody talk about this movie much. I'm going to check it out. And yeah, it is dour and depressing. It's like they are trying to wring humor from completely humorless situations. Yeah, and, and, and it's literally that one. Well, they try to build it up to where they're an unhappy couple. And this is right. what's going to bring them back together. And they're going to therapy and stuff like that. And they're all skiing. And she kind of likes to ski, but then she doesn't want to ski. And he does like skiing and he's kind of forcing his kids to ski. And it's like, nobody even fucking cracks a smile in this movie. It's just awful. Oh, I didn't like it. It's got a 4.8 on the IMDb. So you are in uh, good company with, uh, with the rating I see. So you haven't seen it, Chris, have you? I have not. Um, I think I remember this movie. Uh, when was this released? Was it this year? It was this year, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But, is, but was it like like uh, early in the year? or Was it recently? It was uh, February, so it was it was yeah. it was a theatrical release. I do remember there being some talk about this movie when it was coming out, and I remember it not having very good reviews. And, uh, and so I was, and the, the way it was described, I was like, that doesn't sound like something Julia Louis-Dreyfus or Will Ferrell would be in. Uh, but you know, I, I get the sense that especially Will Ferrell, man, that guy is always looking for something completely, totally different to do. You got to respect it. And, and it's not like he can't do dramatic turns like stranger than fiction and everything must go and stuff like that. But this is not even drama like you don't even buy the 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 marital drama like these people should just get fucking divorced like they, mm-hmm. they're terrible for each other they hate each other and, and you just have to watch it for an hour and a half and it's depressing well, i'm yeah. glad you share my opinion uh jeremy well um, i was gonna i was gonna warn that movie and you stole that from me sorry but 
I have another movie with a similar title I will warn in the future. I'll get you back. <laughs> Interesting. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp better is my jam. It's my jam. I love, I'm going to talk about how easy this is. There's Ooh. no excuse for you, the listener, to, if, if you are having any issues related to mental health, stress, anger, depression, sadness, anxiety, worrying, that kind of thing, there is no excuse because it is so easy. Everything in your own personal counseling room, which you access through your regular interwebs uh, on any device, uh, I use my laptop, that kind of thing. You go to your counseling room after you've been matched and you can communicate with your counselor. Just did this yesterday. You can schedule sessions. I had to, I, yesterday a family situation came up. So I had to cancel my appointment yesterday. And it was late notice, and, and I, I felt bad about it. So I apologized on the message board to my counselor and said, hey, I'm sorry, I've got to cancel this, but I see in my counseling room that you're open next Monday. So I booked that, and she got back to me within seconds and just said, hey, I, I understand. I uh, hope everything's okay, and I'll talk to you next Monday. Could not have been easier. With regular therapy, you would have maybe had to talk to the insurance company. You would have had to talk to somebody at the front desk to reschedule things. And then you got to talk to the, the therapist itself, uh, him, him or herself. And this just could not be easier. BetterHelp is rad. I was going to talk about the easiness, you jerk. Um, the flexibility uh, is the key, right? You can, like, let's say you're getting ready for a therapy session. You open up your laptop and, oh, dang, it's a Windows update. You have no idea how long it's going to take. Yeah, you can yeah. move over to your tablet or your phone. Uh, you can use a phone call. You can use text. You can use video chat. Uh, if you, you know, during a pandemic, I hope you're not having people over. But if you have people over at some point in the future and, you know, there may be a more discreet way to do the therapy and I'm just saying the flexibility of BetterHelp is what's really impressive to me, uh, that it's not confined to, like, typical therapy is, compared to BetterHelp, is completely inflexible. You have to go to this one specific place, yeah. uh, you know, every time uh, to see this one specific person in person. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, BetterHelp takes a lot of that, you know, paralyzing decision-making. <laughs> well, especially, yeah, especially if you're in the middle of a mental health kind of lull or, or downtime or something like that. I'll tell you what's flexible is these licensed counselors. Uh, <laughs> you got to imagine like all the stuff that they're dealing with right now uh, with themselves, by the way. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, they do have the ability to work from home. Uh, but, you know, they're dealing with all different sorts of uh, mental health uh, issues. And he, you've got one person on FaceTime on a phone or something like that that's probably like whirling around and, and, and that kind of thing. And you got to talk to them. And then you've got a text thing coming up and you got to type all that. And then you got all this stuff. So these counselors have been fantastic. You can also switch counselors with no issue whatsoever. Uh, your your uh, previous sessions will be transferred to them so they are well informed. Uh, I'm telling you, we we've I and and I should say us. We have all researched the the options around traditional therapy and video therapy uh, or teletherapy, 
And this this checks all the boxes. Trust me. So go to BetterHelp.com slash SINCAST and you get 10% off your first month. Use that month wisely. It is your launching pad off to uh, a, a, a good experience, a, a healthy experience. Just heard from one of our uh, listeners recently and said after months of procrastinating, uh, they signed up. And I tell you, nothing makes me happier than getting messages like that. Um, so if you feel like you need it, go to betterhelp.com slash syncast. Don't wait. Do it now. What do you got, Chris? Um, you got another one? Yeah. I've got several others. I, I, I just don't know which one to pick, but I'll end up on this one. Uh, Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary. Ah. I'm going to recommend it. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to make documentaries really suck, right? Like it seems like if it's a, if it's an interesting topic, I don't know what makes a good documentary anymore. Like, like it's transcendent anymore. Like, yeah. uh, uh, if it's a good topic, something that you're really interested in, I mean, you typically are going to like this, but, um, I believe the main, like, uh, producing outfit here, is screen junkies, mm. um, uh, did, uh, we are, and Dan Merle is on, uh, as a consulting producer on this, on this, uh, documentary. Mm. That was interesting. Good for him. I did not know that going in. Oh, really? Um, they were, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, yeah. as I, as I just heard that there was a documentary about this, the making of this movie. And I was like, yeah, I got to watch that. Cause I love me some galaxy quest. I think everybody else does too. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I love hearing about movies like this that didn't do anything at the box office that, uh, became huge hits later. Uh, and galaxy quest, I'm still looking for the actual, I mean, maybe Jeremy knows. It seems like to me when we were Hollywood 27 galaxy quest did not play. It had a sneak preview, mm-hmm. but it did not play there. We did not have it. And I always assumed that was because DreamWorks asked for too much money on the opening weekend, but I didn't hear any, I haven't read or heard anything about that sort of, uh, rollout for this movie. What I was told directly by the district manager was that Regal wasn't playing that movie at all because DreamWorks had, had asked for too much and we, we called their bluff. Right. Um, that and Rush Hour 2, I Which think. Which they were later to Rush Hour yeah. 2. And, uh, and a friend of mine who worked at Carmike at the time was like, geez, you just gave us a whole bunch of business that we wouldn't have <laughs> like that. Because that Rush Hour 2 made like $67 million on the opening weekend. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Uh, but I believe that's what that, yeah, that's uh, that was one of those movies. But then I started seeing it with stuff like the ninth gate and stuff like that. And I'm like, why, mm. why are we like not, why are we, why do we not have the ninth gate? Is it because <laughs> we have 27 awesome theaters movie? for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, galaxy quest, th- there's a lot of, uh, I love the whole casting process that they're going through. They got almost everybody uh, back to do interviews on this. Really? Uh, so weavers on here to do interviews tim allen uh the director dean parasote is it or Pariso, uh is uh is on here uh probably uh, uh the best anecdote and i believe it actually had uh was was trending there for a while was the discussion about how tim allen 
had to do this one really emotional scene. And it's the one where he has to admit that they've been lying the whole time there that, you know, the acting is, is not, is not real and all that. And, uh, and, and it's, it was the first time he actually like really had to do something dramatic. And, uh, and, uh, after he got done with the scene, Alan got stood up and he said to the director, he's like, can you just give me a moment? I need to walk back to my trailer for a while or whatever. Cause this is, this was really, really emotional and tough for me or whatever. And he was like, okay, yeah, sure. And Alan Rickman, apparently Dean, per- Dean Pariso did not want to tell this story apparently, but he <laughs> ends up finally just going, okay, okay. It's like, uh, Alan Rickman sees Tim Allen walk off and he goes, I think that that person finally experienced acting. You know? <laughs> well, that's just, okay. So I, I told a version of that story cause I had seen a video like a, uh, several episodes ago. I didn't realize it was from this documentary, but that yeah, connected yeah, yeah. the dots for me. Okay. That, yeah, that, that, you tell this story already? Shit. Well, I mean, I, you told it better. I didn't, I thought I didn't, we have so many things, so many communication things. I don't even know when we've done it on a podcast or not. So (laughs) sorry if that's a repeat. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just all the different little aspects, even the one Sigourney Weaver says fuck instead of, uh, uh, screw Screw this. this, Um, you know, the, uh, cause it was supposed to be an R rated comedy at one point. It was supposed to be, uh, that, but they wanted to make this Christmas time. The marketing on this movie was really awful. They wanted to make a, uh, this Christmas, uh, friendly family, friendly type of thing in the trailers, but they didn't show what the movie was really about. And, uh, and it just didn't attract a lot of people to come see it because it looked like a, it looked like every dumb, uh, cartoony sci-fi comedy that it can't come out around that era. If you think about stuff like, um, uh, what was that movie? What was the, uh, the movie that Ivan Reitman did? Uh, uh what planet are you from? Was oh, it with Gary that? Shandling. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, I don't think it was what planet are you from. There was another one he did. Uh, uh, God, was it the Bill Murray one? It was Osmosis Jones, right? Is that it? Oh yeah. Yeah. It might not be what I was thinking of though. There was a lot of these kind of, there was a lot of these kind of, uh, and that was the Fairley brothers who did that. Um, there were a lot of these type of, of sci-fi special effects comedies coming around that 1999, 2000, 2001 era. And it just didn't stand out at all. And Tim Allen at the time was not a big star, uh, movie star at all. I mean, he had done the voice of, uh, Buzz Lightyear and, uh, he was in the Santa Claus and home improvement was a huge deal, but, uh, what is craziest thing is, is they go through all the people that they wanted for this thing before Tim Allen. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Including Bruce Willis, which would have been interesting to have mm-hmm. a little hard reunion in that. But, uh, it's funny too watching people when they're, when they're told, okay, here are the people who were, who were, uh, going to be in this movie at one point. And, um, uh, and they're like, no, no, I don't see it. I don't see it. Of course you don't see it. And you're never going to see it from any, for anybody else at this point, because you've seen Tim Allen and you love it the way it is. So like there, you never going to say any, that happens for any movie, but it is funny going through, they went through million different people before it got to Tim Allen. Hmm. Uh, the, uh, um, the, what was it? Um, Oh, the, it was uh, Harold Ramis was directing it before. Uh, oh, really? Pariso was doing it, and Pariso. 
I mean, uh, Harold Ramis, did he want Bill Murray? I don't know. And it wasn't Bill Murray at the time because Bill Murray and him were fighting, I think. But it was, uh, it was, it, oh, it was, uh, it may have been Robin Williams. Wanted to get Robin Williams in on it. And, uh, and, uh, and they, he wanted to make this movie like super funny, zany comedy and everything. And, uh, and then Ramus ended up just going, I, I'm not the right director for this. And then he quit hmm. and then he got to Dean Pierce. So anyway, the, all the interviews and, and, and talking to the different fans and the, the different aspects of what they love about galaxy quest, uh, is a uh, is a uh, you know it's it's well worth the watch. It's on Amazon Prime. If you love that movie, I think most people do. Give that a give that a whirl. It'll be an in, it's an interesting trip for you. Nice. It's interesting uh, that they're they're doing essentially, you know, the fans of this like they're doing what the movie is doing, right? Like the the, yeah. the cultish hit that came out they of are. this. But uh, that that's what the sort of the fun thing about the movie itself is is they're talking about how. Uh, you know, the aliens in that movie are fans of the show. Essentially they are the, you know, the, they're, they're fans of that show. And yes, there are people in here who are dressing as the aliens and everything and acting like the alien. And they are those exact fans of galaxy quest. And, uh, and they are, and that, and that's, and that's, they, they are those people that were yeah. there. So, uh, so yes, there is a lot of meta going on yeah. in the documentary. We need your help. We're, uh, <laughs> we're pretty sure Tim Allen is an asshole, right? Uh, yeah. these days, uh, I don't know about asshole, but he's, uh, I mean, he's, he's MAGA, but I don't know if it's, I don't know how much of an asshole he is. I'll tell you when he was Isn't an asshole. hard to work with or difficult to, that you guys have heard. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I haven't heard this. Um, I was just going to make a joke about his cocaine arrest and just like, oh, I mean, well, I guess it's back to jail for me <laughs> in the internet age. There's so many people that would not be famous. Um, if, if we'd had the internet, you know, like I don't think home improvement ever takes off. If before it airs, Twitter is blaring, Star of upcoming ABC sitcom, ratted out friends and cocaine busts and lower his, right. crime, his jail sentence. That yeah. was a long time ago. But like Marky Mark, I said before, he wouldn't be getting work. No. <laughs> hell no. You've got a long memory, my friend. <laughs> Listen, I got a long memory for like serious shit. Yeah. I don't have yeah. a long memory for calling someone a doo-doo head. But yeah. mm-hmm. and they, I like honestly, I think the Mark Wahlberg shit is way more serious than the Tim Allen. That's true. So, no that's kidding. True. All right, so to round it up, Barrett recommended Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. He warned downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy recommended the Peanut Butter Falcon, mm-hmm. and he rec- warned the Burnt Orange Heresy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I warned the Dead Don't Die, and I recommended the Never Surrender: A Galaxy Quest documentary, which is on Amazon Prime. I don't. I think all the previous things that are in this roundup are just movies. Go find them. Right? Like it's it's. Not- um, I think Dead Don't Die is on Amazon too. Well, it's not an Amazon product, is what I'm right, saying. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. The, is the Ma Rainey? Is that a Netflix? That's a Netflix. That- yeah. So that's Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is anything else like you have to go to this place to see it? Downhill is on HBO. That's where I saw it. 
Uh, we have some time for some questions? Yes, we do. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I'm listening. Here's the first one. Uh, okay. I have a question for the questions this week. What movie has an amazing opening scene in an otherwise mediocre movie? This person's example is Spectra. <laughs> Spectre. Uh <laughs> Which I actually still haven't seen. Isn't that weird? I don't know why I haven't seen it. I just haven't seen it. Because it's not good. It's not good? That's the one where a Nazi guy plays uh, Blofeld, right? Yes, but you're talking like me now. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's He's not not, a Nazi in real life. He's not an actual Nazi. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised you haven't seen that. That's I very am surprised shocking. I haven't seen it. Like, I, just, like, I would have bet a lot of money that you'd seen Spectre. <laughs> I would too. I just for whatever reason it's it's gone off my radar. Does that have a really good opening scene? Uh I'm trying to remember. If it seems it like a lot of people have forgotten about Spectre. <laughs> I mean yeah. most James Bond movies have decent opening scenes. It's yeah. a good bet yeah. it does. Yeah. Good bet that it does. I God, I, I know that Skyfall had a good one. Yeah. Um, but I had a great one. I don't remember the Spectre one at all. Don't. Hmm. I don't. Um, uh, to answer the question, uh, I know everybody in the world loves Drive, uh, but I feel like the opening scene of Drive is way better than the entire movie that comes after it. That opening scene is so good. That opening scene, it just rules. It, I mean, and, and weirdly, Baby Driver would fit under that same. Uh, That's mine. Is, oh, did, did, did you do that? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, but uh, no, Drive uh, Drive has that like really intense uh, opening with Gosling in the car. And then afterwards, it's, uh, I don't know, I haven't seen it since it came out. Uh, I just remember just being let down by the rest of the movie afterwards. There's some good stuff in it, but it ain't nothing compared to that opening scene. That's another so, one I still haven't seen. I haven't seen Drive. Um, uh, Ooh, you're going to love Drive, I predict. Really? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's a Nicholas Winding Refn movie. Um, uh, and I wrote a couple others up. Uh, I, I had said a couple episodes earlier uh, about up we had another question and i was like i'll tell you because you because you brought something up about this and i was like i think up honestly fits under this like it's strange i remember when up came out i remember going man that movie's great and really it's that opening sequence like everything else after that is kind of annoying yeah yeah yep um i do remember feeling like the movie like tricked me because it opens with this scene that has so much heart and depth of humanity and then like it really is a a zany fucking Mm -hmm. fantasy adventure with the super tall colored rainbow birds and balloons taking you to south america and it just and the dude with the blimp and the dog that talk and it just goes in terms of emotionality (laughs) it goes off the rails completely so i totally get what you're talking about yeah uh and then i also wrote down snake eyes which has that opening 20 minute uh uh scene at the beginning that's really it's got like a hundred different fucking cuts in it but it looks like (laughs) one continuous shot as Nicolas cage walks around the boxing the casino and everything and the boxing ring and everything like that that movie 
hot fucking garbage. It's beautiful looking hot fucking it garbage. It is. Though, Have you man. seen this recently? I saw it a month ago. I, I did too. The Palm <laughs> movies pretty yeah. regular. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and in cages. I forgot how legit uh, crazy Cage is in this movie. Like that bar oh. scene where he's like, he's a whole manic and everything. He's pouring the drinks and everything. I'm like, yeah. oh, I forgot he was this Nick Cage in this movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie since it came out. You guys have seen it a month ago. That's it well, it's I also watch. watched Ben Patel a couple months ago. I just oh, love the film, man. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, but it's beautiful. I love watching the way he shoots movies, man. Yeah, garbage ones. That's true. I mean, I like Fatale. In Femme Fatale, there's that shot of uh, um, um, Anthony Anthony uh, Antonio Banderas on the balcony, Mm -hmm. and he's got a camera, and you're hearing this conversation, and it's down on the street, and the camera pulls like half a mile back and turns down oh. below you on the street and then it zooms in down into this cat. It's like the most De Palma thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right about snake eyes, man. I mean, I, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> and he gets a little too fixated on double, triple and quadruple crosses. In a lot of yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then like many De Palma movies, it ends on this shot where you're like, is that supposed to be important? Is that supposed to be amazing? I can't tell if that's amazing or if he's just saying "fuck you" really hard. He's making a new movie. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what you think? Uh, oh, is it my turn? Um, <clears throat> I have two answers I'm going to give you. One I'll take heat for, and I'm going to say the Planet of the Apes, um, the original. Um, mm. I know there's a whammy at the end. Everyone loves it. I know there's social commentary in the middle. Everyone loves it. Um, For me, the absolute best moments of this movie are the first 20 minutes where they shipwreck on this planet. There's almost no dialogue. It feels very Kubrickian. um, And it just lets it play as we try to, we just watch Charlton Heston reacting to all this around him. And then he meets up with the apes and it becomes this really talky, serious thing about our humanity. And I just, the sci-fi. Narrated by William Shatner. (laughs) (laughs) William Shatner got it from Charlton Heston. So um, (laughs) the the sci-fi stuff is what I like about that movie. And it just melts away from me after that. Um, So I'm sorry, uh, fans of the class. I know it's a fucking classic. I didn't see it until late in life. I saw it 10 years ago for the first time. And the first 20 minutes, I was like, mother fuck me. This is amazing. And then mm-hmm. the ink showed up, and it just got less interesting for me as it goes on. So it's a, the other one I'll tell you is Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Mm. Um, the, the middle scene at the graveyard, not super awesome. Um, the fights at the military center where he fights the girl, Terminator, okay, not amazing. The ending, I think, is incredible. But everybody forgets that opening chase scene once they get away from the vet and it's him in the truck and Claire Danes in the back and Arnold chasing them and the female Terminator chasing them. And we end up with two of the largest vehicles I've ever seen in my life. Some massive construction building on wheels and then the, this double wide fire engine and like this ball and chain is swinging through buildings and smashing shit. Uh, it's a fantastic chase sequence that I think is every bit as thrilling as the Terminator 2 one where they go down into the L.A. River. Uh, but nobody ever talks about it at all. Uh, and the only crime is it goes from darkness to daylight 
within the entire chase, which is mm-hmm. about 15 minutes. Uh, uh, that magic hour in LA where nobody's <laughs> on the roads. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, I think that opening chase scene is incredible. And even though I like the movie more than most, the rest of the movie is not as good. Now, I was going to say on uh, Planet of the Apes, it's uh, funny that you mentioned uh, Kubrick on that because Planet of the Apes and 2001 came out the same year. And I believe Planet of the Apes got the uh, the makeup Oscar uh, that year because they thought that Kubrick used real apes or whatever. <laughs> and and it, they can't, yeah. And, and, and it, and they, so yeah, you had two competing like for the Oscar basically because of their apes makeup, the one that's the one that they definitely did. Well, both of them definitely didn't use real apes, but like the one that they thought, I mean, you would think, are we you definitely real apes or whatever that gets the oscar right (laughs) (laughs) where they built the fucking parking lot the parking garage for that one scene that one episode and they didn't get any awards for it because they thought they shot in a real parking garage so (laughs) anyway oh Uh, i've got uh two one television and one movie uh but uh Speaking of drive, baby driver is the immediate thing that came to mind uh, when mm-hmm. I saw this question, because you watch all you need to do is watch that first scene, that first scene. Then then the, the title card comes up, then turn it off, turn it off. It's awesome. It's perfect. Uh, what happens is he's, he's got uh, John Hamm in his hot side piece and uh, some other dude. Uh, is it uh, it's not John Bernthal at this point. Um, anyway, there's, there's a group of four or no, it is John Bernthal because it's not yeah. Jamie Foxx later, right. later on. <clears throat> um, they're going into a, a bank in Atlanta to, uh, to, to rob it. And so the three of them get out and they go in and you see, uh, uh, not Anton Yelchin, uh, uh the who's baby, who's baby in this <laughs> Ansel Elgort, yeah. uh, Ansel Elgort is just sitting in the car completely like straight faced and not even really moving. He's got sunglasses on. He's got his, his earbuds in. And then all of a sudden it kicks into the John Spencer blues explosion song, bell bottoms, which is fucking perfect for that. Mm -hmm. It's energetic. It blasts you off your seat. Uh, He starts drumming along to it. He knows every single, you know, little minuscule part to this. Then all shit goes crazy in, in the bank. They run out and he does one of the probably, if not the most exciting driving sequence that I've ever seen. I mean, the the way he uses the e-brake, the way that he makes these impossible turns, the way that the people in the back are reacting to it. And they're like, the way that there's no traffic in Atlanta. The way that there's yeah. a, in rush hour, there's no traffic. And he syncs up with two red cars and everything. Yes, it's unbelievable. But it's mm-hmm. so fucking exciting, man. Yeah. I could watch that thing on repeat. Uh, and he never cracks a smile. He never frowns. He never like gets discouraged. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And he, you can tell like the car is an extension of him. Uh, it's so good. And the rest of the movie is, is okay. It's not terrible, but it's not great. It is kind of the definition of mediocre. You know, John Hamm gets a murder boner, uh, for baby, uh, there's a Lily James is again a manic pixie dream girl, 
and mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Spacey's in it. <laughs> yes, he is. So, <laughs> so, you have stated the fact. That's it. That's yeah. Cool. So, do you guys feel the same way about Baby Driver? Yes. Yes. Okay. I remember watching Baby Driver, and and by the end of it, I was just like, "End fucking already!" Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we don't Which, need fucking John Hamm at the end of this movie at all. No, and it's so weird for an Edgar Wright movie to do that. Like, it, it, he always seems so precise and so, you know, I, I can't say minimalist, but like he he knows when to to cry, tap out, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. this was this was weird for that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, the other one that I had was, uh, if you ever watched the, uh, short-lived Fox program millennium that we've actually talked about recently, it was an okay show. It was following the X-Files had Lance Hendrickson in it, uh, and you know, supernatural spooky and solving mysteries and stuff like that. But the first scene of that series is this, uh, peep show. It's a peep show. This this girl all all with the titties and, and things like that. And she's yeah, all man. dancing. And uh there's like a blue background and the, the soundtrack to it is Nine Inch Nails' is, uh Hey Pig, which is mm-hmm. one of the just sexiest songs ever. It's at the v- third track, second track of the downward spiral, and it's just like mm-hmm. Hey Pig. Yeah, you and it's got this nice little beat and it's very sexy. And the rest of the the series is mediocre. Anyway, she dies, I think. <laughs> she dies. <laughs> uh, one more question. Kevin Spacey's in it. <laughs> Kevin Spacey's yeah, in Kevin Spacey. It. All right, this is a little bit long, so bear, bear with me. You've talked before about quotes from movies that you often find yourself using in everyday life, like horses, horses, horses. I've been doing that very recently, actually, uh, from Sleepless in Seattle. My wife and I often do the same thing, uh, but we sometimes have to take a great deal of care not to use them around other people. For example... My wife will sometimes follow that's funny with uh, you're going to look a lot funnier sucking my dick with no teeth. A line mm-hmm. from Shawshank Redemption, of course. Yep. Uh, she's used this once accidentally in polite company, resulting in horrified stares and uncomfy silence. God bless mm-hmm. you for sharing mm-hmm. that anecdote. So mm-hmm. what are the most inappropriate quotes that you find yourself having to fight to not use around people? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, reason. this person stole the one that I constantly want to say when somebody says that's funny because i always think of that fucking line from shawshank redemption you're gonna be looking even funnier sucking my dick with no teeth um uh there are a couple of others though that i that i thought of um but you know the I, I'm saying this line wrong, but it's from Showgirls. I love that. It must be nice to work in a place where men don't come on you. Um, um, the the actual quote is, is, it must be weird not having anybody come on you. But I, I always change it to, it must be nice to be work in a place where men don't come on you. Um, and I do have to fight, uh, fight my, uh, uh, to fight to not say that sometimes when people talk about new jobs and stuff like that, that they're, that they're at. And then, uh, just, you know, the obvious, I've got a boner from super bad. <laughs> I've got a boner, um, is, uh, is another one that I, that I think is uh, funny, but you don't want to say that out loud, uh, <laughs> unless you're in the right company to say it. So yeah. 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 Like right now. Um, you bear it me. I'll go. I'll go because, uh, speaking of dick sucking, 
I've, I've mm. got it, it. It does slip out. <laughs> it does slip out every once in a while when when somebody has has done a job, but it's not all the way done, and or they're waiting for approval. I mm. constantly will say, "Let's not start sucking each other's dicks just yet." Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which yep. is, of course, the wolf's line uh, from Pulp Fiction. Uh, it's, it's just, it's perfect. I love it. Uh, and I say it all the time. Um, anytime someone says, uh, you're late or I was expecting you sooner. I, I always love to respond with maybe I shouldn't have come at all. Jerk off <laughs> from the cable guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. And the last one is anytime somebody says I'm hungry. Uh, my mind, another Tarantino, my mind either goes to, uh, I'm hungry. Let's get a taco, which another Harvey Keitel line from yeah. Reservoir Dogs or the much more entertaining, let's get some fucking French toast. From, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 40 year old virgin from, uh, Leslie Mann. Yeah. It's Leslie, Leslie Mann. Mann. Oh, when somebody so- says I'm hungry, it's not from a movie, but I say, hi, hungry. I'm thirsty why don't you come over friday and we'll have a saturday don't <laughs> like i intentionally get that joke wrong i've never heard somebody say i'm thirsty and somebody else says hey thirsty i'm friday why don't you yeah. come over saturday and we'll have a sunday i like yeah. messing it up when somebody says hungry and i say thirsty and now i'm a day off nice <laughs> that's my nice. jam <laughs> um i had a pulp fiction one too uh and almost nobody ever says i don't want to fuck your shit up but uh often people have said to me i'm not trying to mess up what you've got going on or anything close to that i'm not trying to get in your way and i will often have to fight responding with i'm trying to fuck my shit up you're fucking my shit up right now (laughs) yeah Um, which is one of my favorite pulp fiction quotes i think i've told this story before but in the previous job working at a web design firm uh, we were having a staff meeting and we were losing money or not making enough money. And one of my two bosses was ranting about McDonald's and he loved the McDonald's analogy. He says, you can go to McDonald's anywhere in the world, any state in America, ask for a cheeseburger. It's going to be exactly the same as you would find across the country or across the other side of the world. And the reason is they follow a process and they follow the process to the letter every single time. We need to follow a process so that we make money and our websites we deliver are as good every single time. So either the process is wrong or the price is wrong. And I go, bitch. (laughs) And the room went dead. Uh, And I said, it's from Happy Gilmore. Price is right, a Barker guy. And uh, he was still angry and wanted to keep ranting. And that was a mistake on my part. I was not able to hold it in. That's great. Oh, it's terrific. You know what's bad about the the bitch thing is that uh, you know that there were about ten people in that room who all thought that was funny. <laughs> they they held back from laughing to make it maximum embarrassing. For me. Well, just they don't want to get on the boss's shit side. Like I should definitely not have said that at all in yeah. staff meeting, but certainly not when he was angry. I was sitting right next to him mm-hmm. and no one was going to help me out with the courtesy laugh at that point. I don't blame him. Um, yeah. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Keep going to Syncast uh, uh, presented by cinema Sins on Facebook. We're also on cinema Sins Twitter music video since Twitter, soundcloud and discord and if you want to get on discord you can either go to our reddit page and find the link on the right side there or you can private message me on facebook and i'll give you a link there we Uh, also can i interject real quick go for it 
We also, but, hey, this is after Christmas that you're listening to this, right? You probably got a little cash. You probably got a little 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 uh, chimichanga, a little uh, a little scratch, a little cheddar. Chimichanga, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you may want to spend that on uh, some some sweet cinema sins merch. If you go to uh, any of one of our videos, right below it is uh, the link to Teespring, uh, which features a limited edition Christmas Cinemasins shirt. Merry Dingmas. It's a tree made out of dings. Uh, and it's only going to be available until New Year's. So you if you're waiting for it, do it now. Uh, and while you're there, pick up some other merch because it's really cool. So you basically got three days if you're listening to this right now. You Let better go, mm-hmm. bitches. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're, we're hoping you got some extra scratch from your Christmas stocking and you're looking mm-hmm. for something to splurge on. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's why we held it out beyond Christmas until New Year's. But that's damn, that I, shirt is gone forever and you can't ever get it. That's why yeah. I've been saving my chimichanga. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's going to do it uh, for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sher. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Fucking White Castle. <laughs> He's been holding on to that for a while. But no, I, no, it was it was for sure. He they needed to know because uh, the one dude who's like the druggie, uh, that's his one room that he fucking knows the answer. Oh uh, yeah, because he's like because because when he got drunk and when his car skidded off the road with his friends, they were singing that song. <laughs> like Slumdog Millionaire for Escape Room. <laughs> Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cubit, Donner, Blitzen. I can right, also do here. the uh, Seven Dwarfs. Sleepy, Happy, Grumpy, Dopey, Sneezy, Bashful, Doc. You forgot Thrasher. Mm. Thrasher, oh, yeah. Thrasher the Dwarf. <laughs> Where did the Atlanta hockey team get their name if not from one of the Seven Dwarfs? It was, or well, one of, yeah, right. The reindeer. <laughs> it was one of the Smurfs. That's what you're forgetting about. Oh, <laughs> I'm at the age now where I have to sh- where oh. I have to shave my ears. <laughs> oh, that's always fun. <laughs> and I nicked it today. <laughs> nice. No, oh, no. And you would think that I had stabbed uh, a reindeer or something like that with the amount of blood that came gushing. You don't out of have this like ear. one of those safety Jim Rome doubles. Jim Rome doubles. There's a uh, there's the a little tiny like. Uh, a razor thing that's got a little tiny uh, knob on the top of it, and you can just go to your ears and your nose and everything. And, and oh uh, yeah, but that doesn't do the outside, right? What do you or mean? Does it? What do you oh, mean? the outside. The outside. What are you talking about? You don't get hair on the outside, like your ear lobe. Not ear lobe, but like the outside of your ear. No, you're talking like behind, right here. No, no, no. Just on the on the the rim. No. That's a mutation. No, You're I don't need that. The world. But that uh, that thing that I'm talking about would cut that hair. Yes, and it used to advertise on Jim Rome back when I used to listen to sports radio, like 
15, 20 years ago. So you're talking about in the ear, yeah. the, the hair coming out of the ear. Like an ear BJ. <laughs> yeah. But the, 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 I the get little, hair on the outside. The little, the little thing that's got a little, it's a, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like it's like a little tube basically. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 It would cut yeah. that hair. Yes. Yes. Sir. I see. Well, yeah, I used a fucking regular razor. That's yeah, you, won't, you don't want to do that shit. <laughs> it was fine. It just felt like I nicked myself, and I was like, ah, it's all right. And then I look in the mirror, and I'm like pouring blood. Because mm-hmm. there's so many capillaries <sighs> right around there. It's like whenever you hit your head, it bleeds like crazy. Dude. Uh, yeah. When was, I was in high school, we went to a weekend church retreat with like 50 kids from different churches. Nice. Big we're not origin. even we're not even checked in yet. And in the lobby, this kid Casey, who I was friends with, but he was like two towns away. We didn't see each other often. We start like wrestling and horse playing around, and I go flying, and the side of my ear, in just the right place, hits the corner of this end table. Blood everywhere. <laughs> I spent the first night of the retreat in the hospital uh, getting stitches. Uh, oh shit. Novocaine in your ear, I promise, oh! is the worst Novocaine oh! you have ever experienced. And oh! I got stitches, and I came back, and everybody was like going to bed. And I was like, ah, oh, this retreat sucks. It got better. <laughs> <clears throat> I would say so. I was watching Girls this morning because I never really watched Girls on HBO mm-hmm. when it came out. But then I. It's so weird, like how naked Lena Dunham gets herself in like she, every episode. She's just, she's out there, man. She just decided to just say fuck it and uh, and 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 everything. Yeah, that's a good series for like two, maybe three seasons, and then after that's kind of that, what I hear. Yeah, after that, it sucks. What happened to it uh, after that? What was the the deal? Did they all start kind of going off in their different ways? And- yeah, it just doesn't have the same dynamic because the first season is it's so good with her and Adam Driver for the first season, and just their crazy ass relationship and everything. And yeah, they start breaking off and do, and it's like their own like thing. And every time they come back, it's like, well, you're never here, and blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, fuck much of that, you yeah. know? It's just it. Yeah, and Allison Williams starts going out with this dude who's just fucking awful. And in not not that that would never happen. It's just that he's just he's just awful. Uh, he's just an awful dude. He's like the because she joins him. He's a musician, and then they start singing together and all that. And uh, he keep they keep having this great chemistry as singers, but then when they're like actually like dating and everything, like he always get super drunk and like you know just is an awful person and <laughs> and, and everything it <laughs> seems terrible. fantastic but no uh, it's the, yeah they sort of break up the, the the girls in that and they all start doing their own little thing it doesn't have the same dynamic yeah that was the best part does mm-hmm. that it, adam driver fucks all of them right no 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 i mean in real life probably just yeah in real life maybe. <laughs> no she he 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 was not a man whore on that show um, he, he, he fucked her. He fucked Sherry Alpaby. And yeah, that may be okay. it. That Jemima might be Kirk? it. No. Who? He, no. Yeah. Man. I remember seeing a scene. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't you know. know. I don't you, you that watched the whole thing. I don't remember that scene. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but he was not like a man whore in that show. He wasn't, huh? No, oh, okay. he was a weird dude, and that's why it was. He so, was a weird dude. That's why it was so weird to see him in anything else after Girls. But then you realize how good of an actor he is at that point. No kidding, man. No kidding. He is a hipster doofus. Did you did you see the uh, did you see the uh, last week tonight with John Oliver while he while John Oliver every time he had a chance would find a way to start talking about Adam Driver and he's like and he's like he's like he's like stomp on my nuts you 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 uh, uh um you tall drink of water you know and all this other stuff and then he would he would always find a way to like get Adam Driver he'd just show the same picture every time and it would come out of nowhere he would he would be talking about any topic and then suddenly he he's almost as tall as my main man adam <laughs> Driver. and uh and uh and and so like at the end on the uh the season finale that happened a couple of weeks ago he he started doing that again and they had the a, actual adam driver calls in oh, and it's, it's like a, a, a video image of him he's like what, what, what are you doing here john what are you doing like what, what do you want to fuck me or do you want to or do you want to fight me i don't understand what it is what it is that you're trying to do because every single thing that adam that he talks about every time he talks about adam driver it's always something like really like yeah you know uh uh it, it's it's violent but it sounds sexual <laughs> all right yeah. so it was like, like when billy bob thornton got on that one radio show and he, it was about his band or whatever and <laughs> I think he told them not to, to ask about acting during that whole thing. And then, of course, they had to ask about acting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he came off as a huge dildo. <laughs> what yeah. the? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they told him, but like, how long are you going to spend talking to Billy Bob Thornton about <laughs> his band? Talk about these guys' bands for an hour. Come on. Then, like you know, when when we were doing these interviews the, over this past year, everybody so far has been cool about talking about their past work and everything. Yeah, but yeah. I sit there and I think like a lot of times what some of these interviews would have been like if we weren't able to talk about their past work because it would have yeah. lasted like twenty minutes. <laughs> you know, if we if we didn't, so yeah. Billy Bob. Drew McGarry wrote a a thing uh, recently that he like Jeremy has gone his whole life without seeing uh, Love Actually. <laughs> and, and he, uh, so he wrote uh, like a, like an enumerated thing of like the questions that he has, like, you know, why is everybody misogynist in this? Why is everybody fucking their assistants in this? And uh, one was, should Billy Bob Thornton play the asshole American president in every movie? <laughs> and he's like, yes. Yep. He's so great in that movie. I've got plenty of food shit. Yeah, I don't. I have one thing, and it's not even a real thing, so I'm going to let you guys pick it. <laughs> Get you a grill, man. Now now you've got outdoor living, so mm-hmm. you should you should add a grill to that uh, fire pit. The fire pit looks fucking awesome. Yeah, it does. it does. I was a little worried been- about it at first. Like, uh, uh, I, I uh, you know, the... The test to see if there are gas leaks. I was I was looking at all the different things, and and I was like, all right, I'm just going to look at a YouTube video because these fucking manuals are are the worst. <laughs> and uh, the YouTube manual showed this guy spraying some water, some soapy water on the on all the area around where the where it connects. Barrett's apparently got a better way. Um, no, 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 that's no, that's <laughs> that's a 
I don't think I've ever heard that, but that's a perfect way to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, so like he turned on his, he knew his, he already knew his was broken. He was just showing what it looked like. And it showed these big, huge bubbles coming mm-hmm. up from huh. the area. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I don't, I don't have a spray bottle. So I was able to like just concoct them thing. And I took one of these, you know, finishing brushes or whatever the, you know, that you, I dip that in there and start just like slathering it in in soapy You're soaping water. up your pipe. Yeah, soaping up my pipe, and uh, and I turned it on and there was no bubbles or anything like that. Cool. And then I uh, I put it in and I turned on the gas and then I couldn't get the thing to light. And then I could swear I smelt gas and I was like, ooh, wait a minute, did I just not do something right? And I let it cool down for a bit. And then I went and did the soap test again, this time really like just putting a bunch of like soap all over it and nothing came out. So I was like, it must be just something where it's trying to burn it and it just couldn't. And, and, uh, and that's what, what what happened. So I got everything back and connected and everything didn't work the first time, but then the second time just got it up in there and it was like, yeah, you did have one of those ignition switches or do you just use like a lighter? It's just a knob. Okay. So cool. yeah, it, it goes to, it's, it's kind of like your stove where it goes, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. it's like, uh, the, the, it goes to the high point first and then you hear the, you know, and then it, it goes, there's another model that has this ignition switch. They sent me two manuals. One, <laughs> one has it, both of them are wrong in some ways. Um, <laughs> one, when, it, when I was building it, it was like, this is how many screws you should have. And I was like, well, I have more than that or i have less i can't remember what it was but there was another manual inside and it also had some sort of and then and, you know they they give you extra too so i don't even know which one was which all i know is <laughs> i got all that shit uh, built <laughs> while i was watching cruel intentions yeah uh, <laughs> yeah baby <laughs> oh, i'm glad we were all watching that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and watch this and, yep. and you know keep your place and all that so yep. and lay in your gorgeous bed that's right that's right you and know lay you upon know. your roundish bed that's <laughs> <correct>. <laughs> <laughs> uh so i haven't everyone. heard that in a long time <laughs> What is that from? It's from it's Double that. Team, the Tenacious D song. Tenacious D. Uh, uh, hey, Jake, you the tickler. <laughs> Look at baby, he got the tools. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you feel something by your feet. It's me. It's JB. I'm sucking upon your toes. <laughs> <laughs>